ability to truly find a person's breaking point. And everyone's got a different breaking point on a different day. And the, uh, the crazy part is, is someone who's incredibly tough to go through, you know, insane, you know, challenges in life might literally break with, you know, the 510th bug bite of the night. And that could just be it. That's it. You know, just the rest of it's, you know, it's going to be a super uphill challenge. And that is, that is what I think is, is a beautiful part of the challenge. I call it a beautiful suffering because you're out there, you are, you are in a way suffering. But what, what a lot of people have to remember is that uh, when you think you're over, when you think everything's done, that's your, that's your body's, you know, time to say, hit that 40% rule. And a lot of special ops training is, you know, they teach, they teach a soldier essentially, when you think you're done, that means you just hit 40%. And when you truly think you can't make it, you know, that is just your body's way of saying, Hey, you, uh, you still got a lot left in the tank. You got to keep pushing harder. And unfortunately, when you're out there with nothing, it's harder to find that inspiration. And it's, it's just very easy to get into a negative mindset and, it uh it's not really a judgment to the person's you know person's character always as much as it is you know can you know can they bring positivity back in their life and that's the one of the hardest things to accomplish on a challenge like this is you know trying to trying to find that positivity do you <clears throat> excuse me do you consider naked and afraid these challenges this show do you consider this to be reality TV or is this more reality docu-series? I mean, a lot more than what people may be giving it credit for who never watched it. Oh, yeah. With, without a doubt, it gets it gets categorized as a reality show. Well, I'll tell you right, right now, I've been on a lot. I've seen a lot of people and it is 100% documentary you know, reality when you're out there, it is a, uh, it is no longer what we know as a reality show. Um, and to put it in perspective, um, you know, you do have to, you do, of course you have to film it. So you do have a film crew. Well, you as a survivalist are there 24 hours a day, no breaks, no time to like, you can't go in, take a shower, can't like get away from the bugs for a minute. You're there for 24 hours a day for however long that challenge is. And the production crew, um, still has a hard job, but they come and they get to about eight hours, maybe 10 hours of filming this challenge. And still there is a lot of production, um, you know, individuals that end up tapping out of these challenges. They still get to go to a hotel, a lodge somewhere. It might be two hour drive, three hour drive every day. Um, might be on a boat, might be on a Jeep, but they get to get a break from that, from that, survival reality and they still there's it's very hard to keep um a steady crew of people that can actually you know keep up with the rigors of the survivor survivalist um but to put it in perspective they're not even there half the time they don't even you know they don't get to to feel what it's like to never have a break and it's but that's how that's how truly you know it's a testament to how tough it is when we look at the cinematography, the uh, the DP, the director of photography that's capturing certain moments as fillers or add-ins 
for the scenes and where you guys are at and what you're doing. And we've got the, you know, you've got the lions there and the elephants are charging and the hyenas and all of this. Um, was there ever a challenge, if you can share from your experience, Matt, uh, when you're hunting, when you're trying to get food or bathe or get water or to do whatever it is that you're doing in a moment um, or, or making your home, was the crew there in that experience or did they have to keep a certain distance so you can really do what you need to do? Because this is really a survival moment and you've got to get this done. You can't have noises and disruptions or anything else. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a, it is a complicated tango, let's call it between the, the survivalist cast and the production crew. And that tango has to be done in perfect unison for everything to work. Um, for me to hunt, for example, I might literally roll and cover myself in animal dung, mud, everything, because I need to blend into my surroundings, get close enough to say, take it, take a warthog or an impala with a, with nothing but a primitive longbow. Well, I'm not going to, I look and I've, <laughs> I've tried to convince them. But I'm not about to get my camera crew, my DP, is not about to roll an animal dung, <laughs> even though I would <laughs> like them to. It, uh, and so, uh, so then I have the challenge of I need to now stay one up, one, one step ahead of the production in order to stay essentially you know, in the game when it comes to hunting. So that might mean I have to set up a blind that is so good, I can hide the camera crew as well as I can hide myself. I have to make sure the wind is right. Um, I have to make sure if I'm stalking through the woods that I am not only quiet, but that my camera crew is as quiet as they can be, but that I spot something before, you know, it can ever see, you know, see or be alerted of us because then there, the game would be over. And this, uh, this tango happens all day, you know, from, from just about sunup to sundown every day to hunt, to, to harvest things. Um, I have been, uh, there's a, there's a great DP has, uh, was on, um, the naked afraid XL in Africa, XL three, um, Dave, Dave, uh, uh, West is his name. And David, I watched him sit there getting bitten by flies, ants crawling all over his face. And he sat there with that camera as long as I could sit there until, you know, to get a hunt to happen. And, you know, having, having Apollo, you know, baboons, everything, you know, that can just alert any move, any movement, anytime. It, uh, it was pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome to see when you look over at your, at your DP, your camera crew, your sound guy. Um, and, uh, and they, they will not, that does not matter how many ants are biting them, mosquitoes, flies, the sun beating down. I mean, those guys are dedicated guys and girls are dedicated to, to trying to document something that's almost impossible. And that is to go out and harvest something on a challenge like this, which is the hardest task to do by far. Where you are absolutely correct. And I'm very happy that you brought this point to the surface is the filming quality 
is superior. To know this, and I truly want to thank you for giving us more of the behind the scenes of really what's happening. To know that there's ants, there's bugs, you know, there's no cushion really to sit at. How they kept the camera steady, how they did what they did, it is truly a testimony of how brilliant and incredible that without these DPs, these the director of photographies, uh, the producers, without them and without the dedication and the understanding of what they are about to do is beyond incredible because that's more than talent, as you know, Matt. That's oh, more it, than it, anything else. Yeah, I mean, they, and they understand very fast how re how real this moment is. I mean, you have venomous snakes, elephants charging. You have leopards stalking you. It uh, they understand very fast that this is no game. Um, if they mess up, you know, they could lose their lives as well. And uh, and they're they're still they're dedicated, and it's a it's a it's an awesome thing because the challenge is, I mean, is it just an Everest sized you know challenge to overtake. And quite often is is some of the most beautiful suffering a person can go through, but it's yeah, it's it's pretty cool to watch something. For example, in Africa, when I was there on I guess it was my fourth challenge, it uh, a I mean almost tornado, if possibly a tornado hit. There's no in these other countries. There's no uh, there's no weather Doppler radar quite often. Um, so you do not know what kind of weather is about to hit. And when it hits, it's usually, you know, incredibly violent. Well, there was a storm that hit with about a hundred mile an hour winds, lightning cracking all over the place. And right above our shelter um, is about a 60 foot tall sycamore tree. Um, and, uh, and these, these trees, I mean, I mean, <laughs> there's thorns all over them. It is a massive, you know, a massive, you know, branch that just gets cracked off the top of this tree. And as we're getting pelted with about marble size hail coming at us about 60 miles an hour sideways, it, uh, trees are starting to, are, are starting to get hit by lightning branches are falling down and this massive branch falls about 10 feet from my legs. I look over at it and on the other side of that branch is my cameraman and my producer. They are both just sitting there dead, dead solid, still, and uh, and and all I get is a small smirk from my cameraman. And this, I mean, this storm was just beating down everything. But that little smirk of like, okay, they're okay, we're okay. Uh, we'll, you know, let's see if we can, you know, make it through the rest of the storm. And that's the reality. I mean, you get that happens to be a reality every day. Um, you know, and and it's just you're playing a little game of roulette out there in some ways, because there's some things you, you do not have control of um, jungle, for example, um, especially like the Amazon, but pretty much any jungle, massive trees and branches fall down the size of, of a biggest round as trucks, um, hundred feet tall, you know, 2000, 3000 pounds, just a chunk of branches will fall down with no wind. And, and it's, you know, it's all roulette. You got to hope you're not, <laughs> hope you're not under it, but it's a, uh, at the same time, everyone kind of knows they're in a they're in this little battle together. When we think about the food, what you guys were eating on there, one of the things I said to my friend as we were watching the XL series is the idea that when you're eating fish, game, uh, one they were eating snakes, another one was an eel, and 
I would hear the contestant say, mm, that's good. Now, in my head, and I'm not joking when I say this, I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, okay, there was no salt, pepper, garlic, none of that. When you're in that situation, in that position, does food really taste differently when you're in that and you're cooking that food and, and that's what you only have? There's no McDonald's, no Sonic, nothing of that. Does your mind really process what you're eating as really being that good when you don't have condiments and extra things to add to what you're eating and cooking? Oh, 100%. So a couple things happen to you. As you're out there, your body goes into ketosis. As it hits ketosis, you actually, your, your whole body smells differently. That happens around, everyone's different, but it happens around seven to 10 days in. You all have now reached this state of, of ketosis. Your body is now transferring, um, fats, you know, into, um, into, you know, energy instead of the, like the various, um, carbohydrates and things in the energy. Well, when that starts to happen, everything starts clicking. You actually can, you can hear a little better, see a little better. You get into your primitive state of mind and then something magical happens. And, <laughs> Everything out there is is a possible food. I mean, when it comes down to it, if it is edible and it's not going to make you sick, it is a definite, you know, on the menu option for eating. But what's amazing is your brain sends off these chemicals. So when you eat, you have these endorphins that are released. These endorphins tell you that is fantastic. It might not be very good. But it is, it is your brain in survival mode saying, you know what, you're going to make this taste delicious because you need to survive off of it. You need those calories. And I think it drops the standards of what tastes good down a bit. Um, but it also everything, everything is, is, is just heightened. Like I said, your, your, your seeing gets better, your hearing gets better, but also your taste buds are now, you know, now exploding. I mean you know, something that would normally not be that desirable might taste delicious. I mean, I've had scorpions out there that have tasted like Reese's peanut butter cups. And that's pretty weird. Um, I had a praying mantis that tasted like popcorn. I mean, you get, you get these, you get these, I think, you know, overload of, of sensations of taste buds that, that things that would normally be not the greatest becomes you know incredibly delicious because your brain is telling you have to eat it there's no way to give it up it uh and that is a uh, it's really it's a beautiful thing because some of these some of these objects you know you might you might just shy away from and they're delicious now there is some stuff you try to eat out there that is truly horrific and you just no matter how how much you're surviving you feel like you can never be hungry enough to eat it and everybody's got different a different level of when that happens. For those that are tuning in, I want to thank everyone from here and all around the world. We've got Matt Wright. He is a veteran uh, from the, he was in the air force or um, the yeah, air force. He is a custom knife maker, expert survival instructor and seven time naked and afraid uh, legend. Um, I'm going to say he is the star of the show. Uh, that is uh, my official uh, claim of what my, Matt is known of and known uh, to be of. Um, we're going to play this clip real quick. Uh, this is a clip of you, Naked and Afraid XL, 
And let's hear what you have to say. This is from Discovery. Oh, man. Okay. This area looks exactly like some sort of horror movie where everybody's probably going to get eaten. And I'll tell you right now, I am ready to take it on. This is Matt Wright from Lakewood, Colorado. I'm here to earn my redemption. I've dreamed of hunting two places on Earth, the Amazon. Holy sheep. <laughs> and Africa. And in the Amazon, I got to fulfill that dream a little bit, taking down a jungle peccary. We are kings. However, last challenge, I had to get pulled out from a flesh-eating bacteria. It's imperative that you um, have to go to the hospital. The uh, bacteria can't be treated. To make sure I save my foot, I've got to go. The Amazon hit me hard, but can't keep me down. Being able to survive 40 days solo out here is the most epic redemption I could ask for. To hear that, what goes through your head right now, Matt? <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, I mean, a beautiful moment of, of, uh, of thoughts of success, thoughts of failure. Um, and, you know, just, just the testament of, of pushing myself, you know, where I've, where I've never been, where I've never thought possible and, and, uh, see what I can get, you know, as the outcome. The seriousness. It is, yeah. No, repeat that oh, again, please. It, uh, oh, I was just saying, it's just, it really is just a, it's an emotional journey. The seriousness of how serious this show, Naked and Afraid, is, and please share with us, if you will, Matt, your experience is within, and I believe it was season six, XL, uh, many of the contestants were having problems going to the bathroom to where one was medically tapped, as they put it, tapped out of the competition and he had to be taken to the hospital for to have an extraction done. He, he, he could not go number two. The, his bowels yeah. were not moving right. Did you experience any of that at all on any of the seasons you were there? And when someone does have that experience, what do you recommend for them to do? You know, it, uh, for the most part, um, on these challenges, I, I, <laughs> I refuse to be hungry. And knowing you're going to be a little hungry, I refuse to be incredibly hungry. And I make sure that I get I get food for myself, food for the others. And I probably I probably eat more on average than your ever than than you know many many of the um, the challenges probably almost combined on quite often on these challenges. Well, um, because of that, I seem to have no problem. I know my body. I know that I can eat a bunch of protein and that sometimes I have to take a heart of palm, something like that to just keep yourself regular, keep yourself going. Um, some people, they go on the challenge. They maybe don't have much meat in their diet. And when they switch from those fibrous vegetables and things and they go straight to just eating nothing but um, fish, meat, steak, um, you know, steak from might be impala, might be um, scavenged animals that they found. You know, it could be anything. Um, it it often you know starts to block up a bit. But then what gets you even more so on these challenges is the dehydration. You are your body's stressed. You're going through a lot of changes. It might be a hundred some degrees outside, and you have to drink water that has been from a water hole that sometimes tastes exactly like elephant pee. Ooh. 
I mean, it's, it's no doubt not the greatest tasting water, but you have to boil it, let it cool down. You often have to drink it while it's hot. And even though you're drinking hot water, it's still a hundred some degrees outside. Well, a lot of, a lot of survivalists don't drink enough. And what happens if just, you know, our human bodies is your moisture is going to get pulled out, used for your muscles, used for brain. And the more dehydrated you get, it actually sucks the moisture out of your intestines as it needs that moisture to get into your blood, to get in your brain. I mean, it, it's a, it's in survival mode. Well, when you do that, you've now sucked the moisture out of your intestines and you're going to create some serious blockage. And it is a, it's not uncommon. I would say almost every extended long challenge, um, somebody or multiple people are dealing with uh, this anxiety of wondering if their body is going to start kickstarting again. And sometimes they don't have much food so that, so there's not much, you know, pushing through your body to, to create that natural, you know, that natural movement. And <laughs> it's a, uh, it is, it's only funny looking back, but at the moment it's very serious. I mean, you can get pulled into the hospital, you can go septic. There's a lot of problems you can have if your body's not functioning properly. And the best way to keep that going is, is more water than you think you'd ever need. And, you know, and just, just continuing to try to find something to eat almost daily or as often as possible. And that's, you know, the biggest advice I could give someone going out like that is, is drink more water than you think you need and just try to make a meal every day. Something. That brings us with all of your accomplishments, with all of your accolades. And thank you for serving um, our country, Matt. You and your wife, Brooke, have extreme instinct. Extreme instinct is where you can book a survival class. You've got the Florida fishing and survival. You can buy a custom knife, handmade knife, uh, you know, that you've put your time and love experience and expertise into it. You can get jerky. Did all of these accolades segue into extreme instinct or was this something that has always been, but just became a lot more than what it was because of your time and your, your experience and expertise on the discovery channel with naked and afraid. So, uh, so the business actually started uh, way before there was ever a dream of, of this discovery, you know, <laughs> discovery program. Uh, I started the business all the way back in about 2005. And, you know, I gotta, I gotta give a lot of, um, you know, a lot of contribution, co- contribution to that um, is, you know, m- both my mom and my dad told me, follow your passion. And, you know, they never told, you know, never as a kid did that was I told out what I'm going to be doing in life, what I should do, what I shouldn't do. It was always, you know, find something you love and do it. Well, you know, I took my baseball, you know, baseball career to, you know, to get some scholarships for baseball. Then the arm blew out and I thought, you know what, there's got to be something I can do. And I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try to accomplish as many different jobs as I could, not because I couldn't hold a job, but because I wanted to be able to, to do, um, most any, you know, task from welding to, you know, to installing, you know, uh, technical equipment to running big, heavy equipment. Um, I wanted to be able to do a lot of things. And as I started going out and doing all these jobs, I was the one thing steady was a hunting guide. And 
you know, as I was out there guiding hunters in the middle of the wilderness, I, I started realizing, I was like, this is something that is not work. This is a passion. This is something that is part of me. And that is essentially when I started thinking, you know, I wonder if I can just, you know, make this a company. If I can make, you know, if I can make this work, I never took um, proper business classes. I didn't know how to start the first thing. So I had to start reading. I had to start, you know, doing research. What can I do? How can I even make this happen? And I was able to start my company, the, uh, the first ever survival class. Um, and I started making, first thing I did is I started making some custom knives, but I would only make like 20 a year. It was just mainly for some, for some hunting clients and, uh, didn't know how to advertise, didn't know how to really get the word out. But I thought, you know what? I bet people would love survival classes. And the very first survival class I ever gave, I decided, you know what? These these the homeless population living along this river in Denver really could use some help. I'm looking at their shelters aren't very good. They they don't look like they have any food. They're begging for money. And you know, knowing that the the reason they're homeless could be any different thing, I thought, you know what? That doesn't mean they can't make their life a little better by learning some stuff. So I walked down, I got a group of the uh, the homeless population together and I sat there and I gave them classes on how to trap rats, how to catch fish, how to make thicker shelters, how to make installation, you know, how to even just take two t-shirts, sew them together, stuff it with leaves and make like their own makeshift down jacket. And as I gave that class, I thought, you know what? A lot of other, a lot of people in this world um, could benefit, but you know, what I really enjoyed was teaching was, you know, so I thought, you know what, I, you know, I love making stuff. I love making custom knives. I love teaching people things and you know, this is going to happen. So I started extreme instinct and I had that company for many years, had it even as I went into the air force, um, while I was in the air force, I, I used that, that skill set to uh to teach some of the the people I was in training with it besides just the survival evade training the military gives to advance their techniques a bit with some very specialized survival skills and then I even started making knives for various military members um that were serving throughout the world and my company was what I thought was pretty solid I thought I was like you know this is this is working pretty good I can I could keep this pace going and then I met Brooke and, you know, Brooke, now my wife, it, uh, has got a degree in marketing and, uh, advertisement. And she, she essentially, she was like, wow, she's like, you did something pretty cool here. Well, what I didn't realize then was Brooke was essentially that, that flame under my fire. I had had the spark started. I had a little ember growing, but what I didn't have yet was a true bursting flame. And and with the help of Brooke um, to get the website running, get people actually seeing things, get figuring out how to do custom orders easily, it uh, it became a full out business. And so, since uh, before, right before I went on the show, I was I was uh, I was doing you know doing a lot of custom knives, and now it's it business is booming so much that that Brooke and I have a location in Colorado and in Florida, and we take take people on custom you know custom adventures custom knives, um, survival training, motivational speaking, all kinds of things that uh, lets us share that passion, you know, further and further. 
I'm looking at your knives right now. They're beautifully well-crafted, uh, very well thought out, very well priced. And uh, the, when I we get over to the Florida fishing and survival, I'm going to tell you, this is not my arena. I am not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> you know, the idea of, you know, worms and fish and take it. I tried it once, but I'm going to tell you, this is no bullshit. When I am in Florida, uh, I've only been there once when I am coming back down and I hope to, uh, sometime this year or so, I would love to sort out, uh, to go with you and your wife, Brooke for fishing. I, I, I don't well, know. That would be awesome. Yeah. It doesn't need to be big or huge, whatever you think is best. I would like to try fishing and I would like to, uh, to do some fishing with you because I truly respect who you are to where I would actually take it more seriously, not to impress you, but to show respect for who is teaching me. And, and with you and Brooke being there, I would, I would love that experience. And, uh, well, Brooke and I, just to warn you, we're, we're dangerously good at, <laughs> at creating, at getting you to harness your inner savage. Okay. And, they, uh, <laughs> and we have had we have had a lot of people that like yourself talk about you know they it was it's not really their thing but they decide to try it and once you once we what I do is you know we're not just going to sit there and fish and uh, if it's something that's not that's not you know not interesting to you we can expand that we can go out I can be like okay we're not going to you know we're not going to sit there and fish for small fish we're going to catch a shark or if you don't you know like you're like oh, okay the shark was all right but you know, I don't know about this whole fishing pole situation. Well, we can literally sit there, teach you how to shoot a bow and have you actually bow fishing fish from the top of this boat, shooting your arrow into the water and reeling in fish, you know, with a bow all in that trip. And, uh, and you just never know you're, you would start embracing your inner savage. I get a calls all the time from people we've taken out <laughs> that, uh, that call me up and they're like, I'm hooked. I can't stop thinking about it. I need to come back. I need to, you know, I need to do this more. And it's a, I think, I think everybody's got it in them. Mm -hmm. It's just whether or not it's ever been, you know, fired up and it's all about trying to, trying to find that. But with the combination of Brooke and I, it, uh, it seems that we're, uh, I would say our specialty is, you know, it's harnessing your inner savage. It's there. We just got to find it. And you will be the first to ever do it because I know I have an inner warrior. I am an Aries, but the idea of being a warrior in this manner would be very interesting to have that experience within myself. Oh, definitely. And like, so when I met Brooke, for example, Brooke is, I mean, she is a, you know, just, just a, like a true warrior, you know, in herself, she has second degree black belt. She would climb these 14,000 foot peaks all the time. It uh, by herself. It uh, she used to ride horses, like mounted horses, where she'd shoot off, shoot targets off riding the horses with a, with her pistol. Well, uh, when I met her, she never did hunting, really, never went fishing, and uh, and literally, she she was like, ah, she's like not really like you know, okay, whatever, I'll try it. Well, we uh, we go out and uh, we do a little fishing. She was she was somewhat intrigued. She started getting a little bit interested. But it wasn't until we actually, I actually took her on an alligator hunt down here in Florida where she shot an alligator with her bow 
up close and personal and had that adrenaline, you know, adrenaline going through as she processed it, it was starting to build. But what truly got Brooke, I think, beyond the actual, like the sport and the skill it took to do certain things was eating, you know, eating the bounty of her success. And as soon as she tasted how delicious an all natural, wild grown, you know, um, you know, harvest can be, whether it be an alligator, a fish, a, you know, venison, whatever it is, um, Brooke had, was hooked from that day and there was no looking back. There is no way I can get Brooke to ever stop, you know, filling the freezer full of, full of all these, you know, you know, all these wild edibles. Um, and at the same time, she also is conserving more animals. She's, you know, she's, she's gone out to like, she's like making sure she's part of these, you know, these conservation efforts to get more animals, get more land for animals to live into. And uh, because she knows that that is a resource that, that is truly, you know, an incredible one. And, <laughs> and Brooke, it, ever since that, that's how she harnessed her and the savage was essentially, you know, eating from the wild and seeing how delicious it was. I would like to ask, when are you going to be getting more jerky? Because I was going to place an order and you're sold out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, our savage jerky has been pretty <laughs> popular. Um, we, uh, we have, um, hopefully it, uh, here for hopefully in the next day, uh, next couple months, we can, uh, um, we'll be able to catch back up on these orders. We've got, you know, we've got a book full of, of orders and, uh, it, uh, <laughs> it was a combination of, of course it's delicious jerky. It's all like, it's, it's not like the jerky you find in a store that often it's, is all, this is all natural, no preservatives kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, so it's literally just, you taste, you taste the, the real taste of it. You don't have all those preservatives and, uh, the combination of that and people that, that are just like, Hey, you know, I watched you on, I watched you on TV eating a bunch of jerky for 40 days. I need some. And, uh, the combination of those two things we have, we have sold a lot. And I would like to say with great respect, um, I know that there are people out there that have certain feelings about people who hunt and, and people who, um, you know, do the things that they do in wildlife. I would like to say that you and Brooke both, I feel, bring attention and bring knowledge you're doing things, I would say, and if this is the right way to put it, and it's the only way I know, to, I know how to put it, is the humane way of doing things, the logical, responsible way of doing things. So for that, um, you know, I would like to say from you to the world and, and to what you have taught me educated me on even by watching you on television i see life differently when i think about hunting when i think about like this is not a sport there is such respect and dignity that you bring to under the understanding of this you showed it even on the show that is why we're here mm -hmm. we are not here you you are here because of who you are as a person once again i never in in my wildest dreams or thoughts nothing made any sense for me to ever interview someone of your status not that i ever had an issue with it but yeah. you're very you you come you're very different from what i'm accustomed I to i appreciate it <laughs> well, i appreciate that it uh 
you know, and that's, and that's something that I, I, I try to, I try to, you know, I really express with this hunting, with this hunting world, a lot of hunters get a bad name because you have some, you have some people that are not what I call hunters. They're poachers. They're, they're shooters. They're not, they're not a true hunter. A true hunter will, will literally, you know, will sit there and, and shed a tear every time it harvests something. It will, it will sit there and, and watch, you know, beautiful animals all year round and enjoy, enjoy what these animals give to the world. They, uh, they'll figure out ways to help them have more property, more land, more resources. So those animals can prosper and grow. And, and, a, uh, and a true hunter is truly what they're doing is they're giving back more than they ever take. And that is a, uh, that is something that, you know, I, I try to, I try to express, um, you know, through just, just the passions and I have for it. And I think, I think a lot of people see it. I mean, we've had, we've had people from the PETA organization, um, right after I sat there carrying a jungle pig back from the Amazon, call me up and I'm like, uh Oh, you know, I'm going to get yelled at by somebody who doesn't, who doesn't truly, you know, understand what hunting, you know, is for, for a person in their life. And, uh, and they they cried on the phone and we cried together actually and uh we shed you know we're shedding tears um for how how beautiful animals are but they they cried be, they were crying because they they realized for the first time in their life that hunting really is a part of the human you know spirit and even though we can pick up stuff at the grocery store um you know for most people nowadays it's a uh, hunting is still one of the most personal intimate connections you can have with with nature and if you if you love to hunt you will love to conserve you know um animals and be a be an advocate for conservation for the rest of your life and it's a uh, and it really is it's a it's a beautiful thing and i think a lot of people have have seen it through that and that's that to me is it makes it makes every every one of those thorns bug bites bot flies um ticks you know scars everything i have from every one of those hunts you know makes it worth it when you when you realize that you can you can you know change a little part of the world any upcoming projects that we have to look forward to it uh nothing a uh nothing i can quite say yet but i will say there's going to be a i've done a lot of challenges a lot of places in the world um but i will say there's a uh, the challenge Challenges are not over yet. There is a uh, there is plenty more to come. Um, sometime this spring, you will see uh, you will see um, you will see more of me. And then uh, and then after that, there'll be there'll be more to come. I can't really say when it is. I can't really say what it is. But it's a uh, I will say that the uh, the warrior spirit, you know, allows me to to always get up always push myself for the for that next impossible you know incredible task ahead well we're gonna have you on more often and not uh you can definitely find out more about matt um reach out to him go to his instagram extreme underscore instinct and then definitely get on over to his website extremeinstinct.com. uh is there any other tips uh, ideas, suggestions that when someone gets on over 
to extremeinstinct.com, where should be the first place they should go? Where should they start? Well, you know, it's a, uh, um, you know, far, kind of start by uh, looking around um, to see what, what, what interests you. We do, we do custom things. So when you, when you call up, you're going to talk to either Brooke or myself. It is not that you're not going to be stuck to some third party person that doesn't know what they're talking about. You're going to talk to one of us. And, uh, but what you're going to, what you're going to want to do is you can let your creativity start going. Um, everything we do is, is custom from custom knives. It could be in the kitchen, could be a hunting knife, could be a fishing knife, could just be an heirloom knife. Um, we can customize, make it however you want, custom laser engraving as well. But then these adventures that we do are also very special. It's not just a cookie cutter, you know, one-off fishing trip. This is a custom adventure that's tailored for you. I mean, if you want to, if you want to learn survival um, and then go out and fish, if you want to go fish and actually cook a meal on the, you know, on the shore, the, uh, these are all things that we can do, you know, we can custom make it. it uh, if you want to learn to, sh you know, to bow fish, if you want to learn um, to start friction fire, the, uh, any of these things, you know, are, are tailor-made exactly how you want it. And that's, that's the only way to really, to really, I think, inspire greatness is for you to figure out what works for you. And, uh, and we figure out how, how we can harness that inner savage, as I talked about. I appreciate you, Matt. Um, if there's anything else you would like to add, please do. If not, hold the line. Uh, anything else? Are you on TikTok? Is yeah. there anywhere else you would like for people to connect to you? Um, you know, Instagram and, uh, and uh, the website is probably our best, our best options. It's a, uh, but, you know, people should never feel afraid to, to reach out and, you know, figure out what, uh, you know, what, what they, what they might need in life. And, uh, and I appreciate you having me out and, you know, on your show today, it's a, uh, it was good to, you know, good to get out of the woods for a bit and talk on the phone. <laughs> well, we're going to have you on more often and not head on over to extremeinstinct.com book a survival class, uh, get on down to Florida for the fishing and survival. That is something definitely on my bucket list. I plan on doing order a custom knife. And then hopefully this year, Matt, you're going to be having available that healthy jerky. Yep. Thank you everyone for tuning in to live on air with Stephen Cuoco on power 98.5 satellite radio. You can re listen to this episode tomorrow at 2 PM Eastern time. And uh, definitely connect with us here on power985.com. Uh, you can get on over to Instagram, connect with Matt, follow him, extreme underscore instinct. Once again, extreme underscore underscore instinct is Matt's handle. Matt is an Air Force veteran, custom knife maker, expert, survival instructor, and a seven-time naked and afraid legend and first man out survivalist. Don't want to miss out on re, you know, reconnecting to this interview. It's been incredible. I'm super inspired. Uh, the Once again, I want to thank all of the fans, uh, the listeners of Power 98.5, the fans of Matt Wright. This truly has been one of the most unexpected interviews I never thought I would have, but I am truly honored. And to have that conversation with Mr. Matt Wright. Uh, keep keep up to date on everything Power 98.5 
And, uh, you know, power985.com is your place to go and come become part of the family. I'm like speechless. So it's like, this is different for me. Uh, what a great day. It's been, uh, it's been a great day with Matt. Thank you, Matt.